all that I have. There are parents here that look at their kids and they say, I've given you all that I have. And maybe they've done that multiple times. And so I think that that's an awesome thing that God gives us and we have the ability to give. There's nothing greater than having the ability to give to those around us. How many of you know that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his only begotten son. And so when we look at that, we know that giving and giving what we have is God's nature. It's his character. It's who he is, okay? And, you know, you just had an opportunity to give. Thank you for giving. Uh, I talked to uh, Faith and Dustin just before the service, and that's going to carry the the monies that you got. That's going to carry you for some time, right? I mean, um, for a good long time. Thank you. Uh, for uh, funding that. And by the way, the food was fantastic. I mean, no, it's one thing to give to a great ministry. It's another thing to eat some of the best spaghetti I've ever eaten, man. It was aw- How many of you enjoyed the meal? That was awesome, huh? Um, we brought some to my, you know, the family down the road, everybody, man, we bought a bunch of them. And so um, always know that it's always a blessing. And we're so glad to get behind Heartbeat uh, for Hope and touching uh, families that have, have lost children in the womb, and so in early stages. So thank you, Dustin and Faith, for having that vision and having that uh, future, you know, to, to touch people's lives. You know, many times when, when uh, we do that, all that I have, there's many things that take place, and we have thoughts and dreams and visions and things like that. And sometimes we just want to get in a car, get on our bicycle, depending on what your financial status is, and, uh, and just run and go, right? How, and no, anybody's ever felt like that at all? You just want to get in a car or get in your bike or get in a motorcycle and just take off and just go, let's see how far this tank of gas can take us, you know? But what I want to do is I want to read today, and I want us to get a view of something that God is wanting to speak to us about giving us all that he has, all that I have. So let's read it together. We're going to start at verse 11. Now listen, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in front of you under the chairs. I want you to get there because you really need to see this. Listen, the more senses that you get involved in something, the more that it sticks inside of your heart. Most people think that that phenomenon in TV started with MTV, you know, video, moving, music, and a message, so all three things, but it didn't start with MTV, it started with God, because that's what he says in the book of John, and that's what he says in 1 John. He says, I was with him, I held him, I touched him, I heard him. You see, what, what God already understands is the more things that we get involved, the more retention we have. And so as we read together, I want you to see it, we read it, we absorb it together. You hear it here, and you hear it here, and you see it. So it Luke 15, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, New Testament. And so we're going to start at verse 11. So let's do this together, okay? All that I have, keep that in mind. So Jesus is talking, talking to Pharisees and scribes, because sinners and people from the city are coming to Jesus, and they're not happy. The Pharisees and the scribes are not happy because Jesus is relating and talking to the common person, to the common man, to the common woman of the day, to the common child of the day. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, now listen, you know, when I say Pharisees, it's about religious leaders, those who should know the character of God. Are y'all with me? Those who should know the character of God. That is what Jesus had a hard time with. Are y'all with me? Those who are humble, Jesus, he's right there. I mean, he gets down in the nitty-gritty with you, right? In the mud, in the muck, in the mire. But when we should know better and we have it all together, that's when Jesus begins to say, let's talk about this. And then when we reject his bidding, 
Then he says things like this that we're about ready to read. So talks about a man who had a hundred sheep and lost one. And then he talks about a woman who had 10 coins and loses one. And then we come to what we're going to read, verse 11. He says, there was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. And he went on a journey. He went into a distant or a foreign country in a foreign land where he squandered his estate with loose living or riotous living, depending on the translation you're reading. Now, when he had spent everything, every penny, every dime, everything that he had, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in want or in need. And he went and attached himself, joined himself to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods, like the roots, like the things that were feeding the pigs. How many of you, if you've ever had a pig farm, I used to live next to a pig farm, believe it or not. And they used to feed them like turnips and roots and things. They'd throw anything in there. Man, I'll I'll never forget growing up with a good friend, James Dale Petrie, man, right down the road. They had pigs back there. They used to have a... they call them the slop troughs. And anything and everything were in these buckets. You would not eat what was in those buckets. They would come and start banging the gate or sui sui or something like that. Or they would, you know, and you'd grab those buckets. The minute those pigs heard the buckets, they'd come running. I'm telling you, and you would, you would drop that stuff in there and they were, they were trying to bang your, the buckets out of your hands. And here's this guy going, I don't even have that. I don't even have that. I want to eat what they have, but I can't even eat what they have because the man said it's for his pigs. This is where he's at. And he was longing to fill his stomach and no one was giving anything to him. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men, servants, have more than enough bread and I'm dying here in hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men or servants. And he got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your heart. I am no longer worthy. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it, let's eat, let's be merry. My son was dead and he has come back to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And they began to be merry and excited. Now his older brother was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He summoned one of the servants and began inquiring, what things might this be? You know, what's going on? And he said to him, your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he became angry. Some translations say very angry and was not willing to go in. That's how angry he was. He was not willing to go see his father. He wasn't even willing to go in the house. And his father came out and began entreating him or begging him or pleading with him. And he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you. I have never neglected a command of yours. Yet you have never given me a kid or a goat that I may be merry with my friends. And when the sons of yours came, who has devoured all of your wealth with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, My child, you have always been with me, and all that I have is yours." 
But we have to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and he has begun to live, and was lost and has been found. The first thing I want to say to you is that the older brother says, your son has squandered everything. Your son has spent your estate. Your son. And the father says, your brother. Your brother. That's the immediate thing that I want you to see, the difference between the father's response and the son's response. That shows you the difference in attitude right there. Now, let's just go ahead and get into this. We've had a great time in worship and prayer time. Let's get this because I want us to have communion together and have something in our heart that maybe is bigger and greater than we've ever had. So the first thing I want us to see is this in Luke 15 verses 1 through 3. It says, look, Jesus is talking to the tax collectors. The sinners were coming to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to do what? They began to praise God. No, they begin to grumble. They begin to complain. They begin to say, I can't believe it. Now remember, Pharisees are the religious leaders. Not only that, the Pharisees were the order of the Jewish people who had all of the promises and all of the inheritance of who God is. It's important to get that. They already knew the promises of God. They knew the inheritance. They knew Genesis, right? They understand Deuteronomy. They understand Leviticus. They understand all of those different books of the Bible, right? Exodus, all the things that took place and all the things that God had promised. They know all of the promises. The Pharisees, the scribes, the scribes were the ones who wrote the Bible by hand because they didn't have computers and printers, Scribes were printers. So they were writing the word of God literally every day. And so they understood the word of God. And the Pharisees understood the word of God. And they understood the promises. And Jesus is saying, it's important for you to understand who I'm talking to. Because I want you to get it just like I want them to get it. And he says, I'm going to tell you a parable. In other words, I'm going to tell you something that's going to relate to heaven. That's going to tell you a a true story that is going to relate how my father in heaven is. So here we go. Verses 11 through 13. He says, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Let me explain something to you here. It says he divided his wealth. Everybody always focuses, including myself, has always focused on the younger taking his inheritance from the father and he's going and he squandered it. How many know that that is true? That's what the Bible says. I never understood until recently he gave it to both of them. You see, you cannot give the inheritance to the younger until the older gets it first. And not only does he get it first, he gets a double portion. And the reason that the older and the firstborn gets a double portion is because he carries the namesake and he needs to be the one who has everything possible to be successful to go ahead and carry out the name See, the older son is about carrying on the family name. The younger can also, but it goes towards the firstborn. And he gets a double portion of the inheritance. Now, what's important to understand is that for the younger to get his inheritance, that was like going to his father and saying, Father, I want you to die. Because you see, you didn't get inheritance until the person dies. The Bible says, Jesus said this, he goes, a covenant never goes into place until the one who makes the covenant dies. That is why the covenant, that's why when we take communion, which we're going to do, it says this is a new covenant I give you in the blood of Christ that he shed. It's a new covenant that goes into place when he went on the cross. 
And so what happens is, is here we are, the older is standing there, and the younger says, I want what is mine. Father, I want it now. Now, the Bible says that he got it. So let's understand what took place. What took place is that the father took all of his estate. Now, he's got servants, he's got cattle, he's got fields. He's pretty well-to-do. And he takes his estate, and he says, since I've got two sons, here we go. Here's a portion to each. And here's a double portion that goes to my oldest son. The younger gets the remaining portion. But he says, older son, first, here is your inheritance. And the older son receives it. Then he goes to the younger son and he says, younger son, here is your request. Here it is. See, I believe that the older son said, father, what are you doing? Well, I can't give your younger brother his inheritance until I give you yours by the law. I have to give it to you. But Father, it's going to be okay, son. I want to honor my younger son, even though he doesn't understand what he's doing. See, these are Pharisees he's talking to. They understood the inheritance. They understood the double portion. They understood the older, the younger. They understood what that meant when he's telling this story. They had to be sitting there going, no, no, it can't be. It can be. Jesus says, this is what my heavenly Father does. I gave my people who I am. I gave all that I have. And he says, here, son, here it is. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. What kind of day must have that been at the household? And went on a journey in a distant country, and there he squandered his inheritance. Jesus is talking about sinners that are coming to him, coming to know about God. This is about salvation. This is the inheritance of who God is. It's not just salvation in a box. It's all of who God is. See, God wants us a relationship with him in such a way that we are family, not just money, not just I get to go to heaven. A couple years ago, I just, quite honestly, please go, please understand me, where I would just continually hear people say, well, you know, they're in a better place. You know what? That better place is no better if there's no one there. Eternity is not better just because it's eternity. Eternity is better because Jesus Christ is there, because Jesus gave his all, and because he is there, he's the one who makes heaven special. How can we talk about mansions and streets of gold when God's not even there himself? What makes it valuable? What makes it have any worth? Let me tell you something. When the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt and they're in the middle of the desert, what does gold matter? Nothing. It's worthless. It's worthless. When Leah was a young girl and she was sick and she went to sleep and I prayed for her like, We prayed for our kids all the time when they were young. We'd say, God, put them to sleep. Lord, put her to sleep and heal her while they sleep. I prayed that. God just told me to pray that way. They always woke up well. This time, Leah had a dream while she was sleeping, and an angel came and got her in a car. But it was a, she called it a car because I was in the car business, but it, because she knew what a car was, but the front looked identical to the rear and all of that. But the angel didn't open the door. The angel walked through the door of it picked her up out of the bed sick and put her in that angelic car and took off into the heavens and she met Jesus and all those kinds of things. You see, we understand we have an inheritance. And by the way, Jesus said, you're not going to be ill anymore. And she came back, woke up perfectly healed. See, the the truth is in the manifestation, right? 
You see, the younger son, here he is. He goes away and, he's, and he literally spends everything. That word riotous living or loose living literally means unsavedness. That word literally means in the Greek, unsavedness. It doesn't get any clearer than that. See, we have to understand that salvation is a gift. It's not a right. It's a gift, not a right. It only becomes something that we can have because God says, I give it to you. It's always a gift. It's always about receiving it. We always say you can't earn it. In fact, the older son, this is where this goes. So look at this. Then the prodigal son finds himself. He comes to his senses and he finally decides, I'm going to come home. And as he's coming home, look at this. He says, he got up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. How many of you know that that's our heavenly father? That is our heavenly father. He saw us. He ran to us. He embraced us. He kissed us. He fell on us. Let me, let me tell you, if you've never seen Rembrandt's picture of the prodigal son, Henry Nouwen, he spent a year studying the picture and then spent a year writing about the picture. How'd you like to have that kind of life? That's what he did every day, all day, sat in front of it and analyzed it for one year. Then for one year, sat down, analyzed it and wrote comments and then later wrote a book about it. I think, I think everyone in here ought to read that book. It's a great book. If you look up Henry Nouwen, our prodigal son, it'll come up and you'll find it and you can, you can have it. But see, he ran and he embraced him and he began to hug him. That is our heavenly father, what he does to us. There's no one in here that was lost and was found that did not experience that. No one in here can say they did not experience that because that's his character. He ran to you. He embraced you more than you ever even expected. Everything about us said, don't do it. But everything in him says, I want to. He looks down the road. See, that's what he was doing every day. That's what God does. He looks out and he says, I'm just waiting for the opportunity for that one, that son, that daughter, the one I created to come to me. And that's what happens. Let's go on. He says, Father, I have sinned. Now remember, he's on his knees. He's, he's come to beg. And his father's embracing him and kissing on him. Can you see this scene? He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy. You see, what we have to understand is he understood that he had squandered his inheritance. He understood that because he had squandered it all, he no longer had sonship. That was his view. His view was my sonship is in embodied in the estate that you gave me, that I took and ran away with. I decided to do that. I ran off. Nobody made me. Nobody broke my arm. Nobody twisted my arm. I did it on my own. And your inheritance in my life, I took off with it. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me, just let me eat. Let me go have a, a cover over my head, a bed to sleep on. I'll go work in the field, and I'll just be like your hired servants. That was his view. In other words, listen to me. He had a correct view. He had squandered it all. He was correct. He had done that. But the father saw it differently because of his attitude in coming and saying those things. said, son, come. Now watch this. The father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe. Put it on his feet. Put a ring on his hand. Sandals on his feet. Look at this. You see, the father said to his servants, quickly. That's how God responds. Do you understand how quick God responds? 
Anybody in here understand how quick God responds? People tell me, man, I'm waiting on God. I go, let me ask you a question. How quick can God answer you? How fast? Faster than that. That's the slow version. In God's economy, just like that. He says, quickly, go. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Doesn't that bring a little bit of a different perspective to who we're supposed to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with? When Jesus is telling us, go quickly, and we go, no, I'm not going at all. Let's understand that God wants us to give others what he's given to us. He said, bring out the best robe. How many of you know that the robe talks about dignity? The very definition of the robe means dignity. The robe he put on him. Bring quickly, bring the best robe, not the worst robe, not the torn robe, not the one that he left in his closet that I left there hoping he'd come back one day. Get a new one. Get the best one. Bring it out. Give him back his dignity when he comes. We're not going to make him grovel. You know what? You were wrong. I was right. You're right. Get over there with the servants. That's not what he did. He said, get the best robe. Let's put it on. Let's put dignity back in his life. How many of you know that when Jesus came into your life, instantly dignity came into your life? Dignity came back into my life. Do you understand? The things that haunted me and wouldn't let me sleep at night all of a sudden just became the past. Now, I had to work on that. I had to say, God, you've got to wipe that out. But I knew that it was the past. It no longer had a grip on me. It no longer had a hold on me. Do you understand? You see, what I'm trying to tell you is that he said, put the best robe on him. God, there's so much we're not understanding. There's so much dignity that God wants to give us back. We believe the enemy more than we believe what God wants to say about us. God wants to give our dignity back. Now just grab hold of that robe. Put that robe on and go, no, enemy, I don't want your robe no more. See, you got to take one off to put the other one on. And that's what God wants us to do. Throw that thing off, son. Throw those dirty clothes off, those pig-stained clothes. Throw that off. Put this robe on, son. You don't need that anymore. He said, put a ring on him. See, the signet ring spoke to the family. See, signet rings had the family crest inside of it. They had, when you went into town with a signet ring, you had the authority of the family name. If you go in the book of Galatians, it says, I once acted like a child, and it says, but you're going to remain a child and under governors or people over your life until you grow up and you can get the inheritance that you have. What that means is, is that you can't handle what you have yet. You need someone over you when you act like children. But he says, but as soon as you become older, he says, you get to function as an authority, as an adult, as a mature adult. The book of Galatians, Paul wrote, it's awesome. See, the signet ring went, I can go into town, I can charge at the store. Come on. That was way before credit cards. That signet ring, you did a letter, you put a little wax and you did that. That, that letter better not be open until he got to the right person to open it. That signet ring, what he said was, you're no longer a, in a foreign country. You have come. You are now back part of the family again. You have the signet ring again. You've got the robe of dignity. You have a ring of family again. You have to understand that that son ran away by choice. He said, I want to be over here in a foreign land with foreign people. Now, we're not talking about foreign people. What he's saying is, I don't want to have anything to do with my heritage. I don't want to have anything to do with my nation. I don't want to have anything to do with God. That's really what he was saying because that's what his father represented. And he gave him that ring and he put it back on. Look at this. 
and under his feet. See, if you go look at the Greek definitions, it, it doesn't mean to put on his feet. It means to take the sandal to put under his feet. And you see, when you do that, what it means is that that's a low place. When he put the sandal back on him, what he's saying is, son, lay down your pride and your arrogance and begin to walk in humility now. When Jesus walked in, he said, you guys have done nothing but complain and try to get close to me and see who can be top dog. And all she's done is wash my feet with her tears since I've been here. You see, the washing of feet was talking. That's a low place of humility. Are y'all with me? You see, every time you wore sandals when you went, that always spoke to humility. When you walked in, that's why they washed their feet. But when you put it under your feet, you have the ability to also walk on things. But as you walk in humility, you get to walk on the devil's head. You get to walk on the enemy. You get to walk on the things that tried to attack you. And God wants us to do that, but we have to do it in humility. The Bible says, resist the devil. Humble yourself, resist the devil, then he will flee. Everybody wants to say, let's resist the devil, and he's going to run. No, 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 no. Let's read the whole thing. Humble yourself. Resist the devil, then he will flee. Arrogance and pride is the devil's playground. Arrogance and pride is the devil's playground. He loves it. Don't humble yourself, stay in pride, resist the devil, and he laughs. That's what it could say. Verse 29. But he answered and said to his father, Look, the older son now, he's very angry. He comes to him. Look, for so many years I've been serving you, I have never neglected a command of yours. Oh, wait a minute. Who's he talking to? Who's Jesus talking to? The Pharisees and the scribes? He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. Look at this. He says, but look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. I've earned the right for your inheritance. See, what you have to understand is that the older son was saying, I received my portion. He received his. I didn't squander mine. Now you're coming to me and asking for my money to support him. Because, Father, you are now broke because you've given everything to your sons before your time. Hmm, that's what was happening here. The older son is saying, I know that I have mine, and I've not squandered it. I've done everything you've asked me. I've lived by the letter of the law. I've lived it out. And here you are making a calf for him, putting a robe on him. Who's he talking to? The Pharisees and the scribes who should know the character and nature of God. And all he could see was that he was going to take his inheritance and give some back to his younger son who squandered everything. Have we not felt that way sometimes? I'm ashamed to say that at times I've felt like that. And I'm glad to report that many times I get it right, my heart right with God. Because God wants his children coming and he wants them right. But there has to be some genuineness there. Let's, let's understand that. He says, you haven't done that for my friends He said, son, you have always been with me, and all that I have is yours. You see, the truth is, son, you have always been with me, and all that I have, all of my estate, your inheritance is already yours. I've not run out. You see, the older son, what he didn't get was that for you and I, our heavenly father, if I could say it this way metaphorically, He emptied heaven with his son and sent him to earth to die for us. He gave the inheritance that he had told the Jewish people. Here it is. He sent his son to earth. 
that not only the Jewish nation, but that us Gentiles, us non-Jews, could know who Jesus is and know who our Heavenly Father is. And don't misunderstand when I say this, but I want to use this word. Basically, what he did was he bankrupt heaven, so to say, by sending his son. Not that God was out of resources, don't misunderstand. But he took his son and he said, son, will you go? And he said, yes, I'll go. And you see, the Pharisees are over here saying, what you're going to do is our inheritance of salvation, us as people, what you're doing is you're going to waste all of what we have on those who haven't even desired to live for you, God. Now remember, he's talking to Pharisees and scribes. We don't care if they're coming to you, Jesus. We don't care if they're coming to meet God. We don't care that they're coming to get their lives in order and get their lives right. We don't care about all that. What we only care about is we don't want to lose what you've already given us. Isn't that what the older son did? He squandered everything and now you're doing all this for him? And this is what the Pharisees were saying. We've lived right. We've done it right. And what are you doing? You're giving the same thing that you say that we're promised. You're giving it to those that are coming over here. And Jesus said, that's exactly right. And he says this, all that I have, your inheritance, my estate, everything that I have given, it's already yours. You're not going to lose anything. I have plenty to go around. I have enough. Let me tell you how radical this really is. I've already given you what it takes to bring healing into people's lives that we saw. I've already given you those inheritance, those promises, those things that my word says is true. By knowing me, you have access to believe for me to see those things take place. I have made all those provisions for you. It's already yours. Will you stop looking at what it looks like over there and walk in what I've already provided for you that you can begin to do what I've asked you to do as the religious leaders? And when I say religious leaders, let me tell you, I hear people say, you know, I don't like the word religion. Well, I don't know. The book of James has the word religion. It says, pure and undefiled religion is this, those who help widows and orphans, right? And so on and so forth. So I don't really say that. Let me tell you what, what he doesn't like. He doesn't like us using what we know in wrong ways. He wants us to take who his character is and use it in ways that bless and honor him. And he's looking at the Pharisees and scribes and going, all that you have, it's already yours. My heavenly Father is giving these what they have and what's available to them. 